Feels good to be back. This is another week, and you know what that means. It's another podcast. Welcome to episode 52 of the... Shoot that shit. All right. Shit the shit. You'll get the shit. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ernie C. The Gap Tooth Genius, and we are the STS Shooting the Shit Podcast. This is, believe it or not, episode 52, y'all. Man, returning listeners, welcome back to the show. We have a great educational and I think it's a real meaningful podcast this week. This is episode 52, y'all. New listeners, um, make sure you guys subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. The STS Podcast will be there. Um, Twitter, Instagram, follow us, STS Podcast 661. Just real fast with the returning listeners, thank you for coming back. Thank you for spreading the word. Without you guys... Without our reoccurring listeners, this podcast is nothing, and I really appreciate that. Episode 51, hiatus, um, it felt good to be back. The numbers prove that you guys missed the podcast, um, and we're going to keep coming back with more. We're coming back with some consistency. I uh, really appreciate the feedback we got on that. Uh, we discussed a lot of topics. Um, we had you know, some fun with my car getting stuck in the sand. We had some fun discussing some boxing. We talked about you know, you know, know, um, firearms and purchasing firearms here in the state of California. And uh, man, you guys have been purchasing these DJ EC3 shirts. I appreciate the love so much. Just um, the brand is growing. Uh, and when the brand grows, that means we have more opportunities to get I guess you could say notoriety, but we could be seen. It's all about being seen. The more shirts we sell, it doesn't matter if it's a DJ EC3 shirt or STS shirt, the more we're seen, the more eyes we get on the brand. And the idea of doing these podcasts to get more listeners, get more ears, get more eyes on the product. And um, I really appreciate everybody um, supporting Power Cabinets, sponsored from last week. I appreciate you guys so much. I hope that we were able to um, expose your business to people who were never would have been exposed if they if you guys didn't sponsor us. And it's it's a journey, y'all. Episode fifty two. We got a uh, we got a lot of things to discuss today. Hip hop turned forty seven. Um, Kamala Harris is gonna be our vice president. Our fe- maybe our future vice president. She was nominated. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Of course, we're gonna talk a little bit about um. WAP, W-A-P, if you guys know what that is, we are definitely going to discuss that, and it's it's NBA playoff time, really exciting time right now um, in sports, and I have a special, special guest today, Bakersfield City Councilman Andre Gonzalez, representing Ward 2 of Bakersfield, California, he is making his own. podcast debut today on episode 52 really uh grateful to have andre on we're gonna discuss that a little bit later on the podcast um really really am excited to record this i feel like we're um we're gaining steam we're gaining that 
I guess we're, we're crossing over a little bit. And sometimes, you know, in hip-hop, going mainstream is a horrible thing. It, it, it dilutes your product. It, 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 um, too many hands in the cookie jar. Not here, you guys. My name is Ernie C., the Gap 2 Genius. I'm your host, creator, founder. Again, y'all, make sure you guys subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere you can find your podcast. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. Follow us on social media. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure we keep growing the seed that we planted. And it's really important that we do that. And it's really important that we have sponsors for this week, y'all. Let's have a big shout-out to our sponsor, my guy, Freddie Wreck. Last week, we had a discussion. My guy said... You know, he paid his fee for a whole month. So for the next four episodes, you guys, we're going to be sponsored by Freddie Rec. And he's FGR Catering, you guys. He's Oprah Fire Cooking. My guy has been featured on the Cooking Channel. He's awesome at what he does. He's one of the best cookers in the, in, in the county, in the state. I'll put my dollar up against anybody. And he does, you know, things such as beef briskets, pulled uh, pulled pork, pit barrel ribs. My guy Ferry does it all. He was kind enough to sponsor our podcast. He really believes in what we have going on here. And you can contact him at fgrcatering at gmail.com. Freddie underdash. I'm sorry, Freddie underscore rec. My guy Freddie rec is sponsoring the STS podcast episode 52. Want to give a big shout out to Freddie rec. Again, he does open fire cooking, FGR catering, does everything that you may need for your catering needs to make your event scrumptious. And Freddie will definitely provide that for you, man. What he does is beautiful on the cooking grill, and he does, you know, he does a lot of community events. Um, you're going to hear about Andre Gonzalez, you know, we do a lot of things, he does a lot of things for the community. Usually, Freddie's there, he's at the he's at the farmer's market, he's at these community, um, these community appreciation days. Freddie's there with his family, again, make sure you contact FGR Catering, fgrcatering at gmail.com. Reach out to him. Book your next catering event. My guy, Freddie, I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate y'all if y'all listen to what the DOC has to say. Now do me a favor. Let me an ear. Y'all heard the man. This is the Lend Me Your Ear segment. We're here to shoot the shit. We're here to converse lightly with no specific topic or objective in mind. Like I always state, we're not here to change your mind. We're not here to change your beliefs. We're just here to talk about what I feel like talking about. This is my podcast. And this is a segment here. We talk about everything that's been going on in the week. Um, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone, all my friends. Didn't really let everybody know what's been going on. Uh, my grand, my, my nana Alice, uh, she was in the hospital this week. And she is out, thankfully. Um, just kind of feeling under the weather. Um, she's fine. No COVID-related symptoms. Nothing of that nature. But man, y'all, I hope you guys ne- don't get sick right now. I hope you guys and your family stay safe and, safe and healthy. Right now, it's a really bad time to be in the hospital just because you're alone. They're not allowing visitors. They're not allowing anybody to go see you. Um, what was really hard for me and my family was just my grandma's never been in the hospital. And she's never been by herself for a period of time. She was in there for about three about three days. 
and uh, thankful, real thankful for the staff there at Mercy Southwest, my Nana's home. And I guess you could say I'm really stingy on my memories and my my moments with my grandparents and all my all three of my grandparents. Um, and uh, just it was I was very bummed out, man. I was really bummed out. Um, what was going on with her and just keep calling her on a hospital phone, just reassuring her that she's up, she's at the best place for her and you know she's not gonna be there for long. She we're trying to get whatever she had wrong with her, we're trying to get that right and once we get that right and we get a you know, we get the clean bill of health from her doctors, um, we're gonna be about a wave, we're gonna get her back home and today, uh, we brought her back home. Just really hard, you know, sometimes um you have everybody, my mother especially, telling you what's going on. And, you know, she's thinking the worst. And you got to really calm down and just have them remember you we can only control what we can control. And we got to be strong. Um, it's just something you got to do. And I'm the oldest, especially well, my my family, my mom. I'm the oldest sibling. And just trying to, uh, you know, be there for my mom. Be there for my grandma. Love my grandma to death. My grandma has a big, 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 big part of my heart. And um, I'm glad she's home. And Nana, I love you. I don't know if you ever listen to this, but I just want to tell you, I love you and adore you with all my heart. Um, someone else I love and adore turned 25. Actually, yesterday, my sister Clarissa. Good God, y'all. She's going to make me an uncle for the fourth time. Like the four horsemen, I'm holding up the big four right now. My sister Claire is 25 years old. Good God, I can't believe it. Um, Chloe's 25 years old. Uh, that makes me feel so old, <laughs> and I can't believe it, man. My little sister is a woman, and uh, she's a damn good woman, damn good mother. She's 25 now, y'all. So if you guys have a chance, give a big shout out to um, Clarissa for her birthday. She also announced, which I knew for a while, but she didn't tell the whole world yet, but now she did, like it's there on the podcast. She's um, pregnant again, so I'm gonna have a I'm gonna be an uncle for the fourth time. Um and man, her kids have me by the heart. Um they're special all in they're all special in their own little way. It's amazing to see how they become their own little person. It's amazing to see the progress they make. Like Cameron, he's not a big talker, but now he's talking nonstop, and it's beautiful. Um, Jaden, smart, scared. He's so scared of everything. That guy overthinks everything. Um, but smart kid, caring kid, big heart, loves his sissy and loves his brother, uh, loves his mom and dad. Uh, he's, a, he's gonna be a leader. And Abriel, she's the princess. She's the spoiled one, and she knows it. Um, she could crown a man. She doesn't get away. She'll definitely crown a man. She's beautiful, just like her mother. Um, she's smart. I could honestly say, at this age, she's made more progress than the boys, and that's not a bad thing. Just girls develop and mature a little faster, and that little girl is smart. Um, she's fearless, and. Um, I'm really excited to see what this new addition to our family is going to bring. Uh, good God. Keep having kids, Chloe, because you know what? That gets the way off my back because I know my mom wants more grandkids. And um, I'm really excited for her. I'm really happy. I'm genuinely happy for her and my cuñao. Uh, they, 
you know, they've been together for a long time. So I can put all their fucking business out there, of course. So I'm happy for them, y'all. Um, can't wait to meet my nephew or niece. Um, and I'm sure that my nephew, my the latest addition is going to be a beautiful addition to our family. And they're going to be having their own significant traits and they're going to be their own little person and I can't wait to meet them and I you know going to be there as much as I can just like I am for the brothers and sisters so I'm really excited for that um it's always good when family expands and you know uh we're leaving legacy here and we're starting um we're starting to see especially when we get older how important how important family is and how important it is to have that legacy and just to cherish each other uh, really feel my brother and sister and I are really close and we know you know how family sometimes family is not as close as they should be but we definitely try to keep our family close at least our family tree our branch I guess you could say love them on my heart another thing I love with all my heart y'all hip-hop turned 47 today I wish I had some like we can make some noises and shit hip-hop turned 47 today and man if you guys know who you guys know me i make a living off music um and it's it's majority it's it's primarily hip-hop hip-hop is um the culture is really embedded in my blood i love um everything hip-hop stands for the message um not just of the urban community but just uh the underdog. I feel like the, the the rap has always been hip hop's always been about the underdog, um, and about giving that message out to the world. And um, it's more than rhyming words to me. It's style. It's culture. It's um, it's a mentality. Um, it's hip. It's cool. It's um, how we live. Sometimes that, is, that was that is the best thing. Sometimes you know, but that represents how we live and how. Um, you know the the life we live, and it's all it's expressed in music. Um, big shout out to my guy, Mr. Donuts. He put me on music, this hip hop game, when I was just a kid, man. I remember my first hip hop album was my Aunt Lorraine. Uh, I guess we could just take a little hip hop stroll down memory lane. My Aunt Lorraine um, gave me Doggy Style and the Chronic, um, and I was amazed. I wasn't really into the production, but I was really, I knew it was catchy. Uh, I was really a big Tupac fan going, growing up. I had every Tupac album, every everything unreleased that Tupac had, I always try to find. Uh, Donez put me on to Eminem. Eminem was a big, it still is a big influence on my um, on hip-hop uh, catalog. Jay-Z, 50 Cent was really big. I remember fifth grade, man. I, I was in Miss Bird's class. And 50 Cent was the next big thing popping. Drake Marshall, shout out to Drake Marshall. I remember he brought this CD of this guy in this fucking Louis Vuitton. I don't know if they're fucking gun holsters, but he had these bullet holes and get rich or die trying. And it came out with the thong, thong. What up, blood? Uh, what up, uh, what up, gangster? Man, like, man. That was like one of the best intros. I'll, I'll never forget that. I remember when I when I had my tonsils taken out, uh, two thousand one. Dr. Dre was just dropping. I was like nine years old when this came out, and my dad provided me with the Chronic two thousand one, but it was the edited version. 
and we fucking knew that Andrew's version sucked. So I remember my um, uncle at the time, he had a nephew named Ray, shout to Ray. He came by and he gave me his copy of 2001. And man, that changed my life. Like that's when I started listening to beats. And I started listening to that clap, that kick and clap, that, that signature Dre sound. Uh, explosive was it's still my shit. Explosive. Um, forget, I forgot about Dre. I used to love the message just because he was talking about his brother. And, of course, I had a little brother at the time, or I still do, but that reminded me of my brother. Um, when I was in eighth grade, man, I remember I got introduced to Big Pun, Capital Punishment. And I was amazed. I was amazed about how how he flowed and how he made everything rhyme, but it was so different. It was the way he was spinning. It was like a like, like machine gun. Lean Back was a record that I loved. Really loved Lean Back. Um, Lloyd Banks was another rapper I really started to listen to because he was really spitting. Um, Nas. I wasn't the biggest Nas fan, but uh, I do remember Godson. When Godson came out, I remember my guy Donald was putting me on God's Steps on Ninth Wonder. Um, I was going to probably... Kanye, I'm going to play... Just named milestones I remember my hip hop life changing. Um, I remember went to Hawaii in eighth grade with my family, and that was the first time I got introduced. My cousin Richard and my cousin Matt put me on Atmosphere for the first time, and I believe it was um I think it's called Overcast. That was their first album, and the Lucy Ford EP. That was my shit. I never heard anything like that. Um, I remember. My first time listening to Brother Ali, The Undisputed Truth. Uh, that, um, that album cover just looked dope. This is when Sam Goody was still around. And that was dope to me. I remember looking at the Source Award. We had the Source Magazine Double XL for a long time. And I remember um, reading about Big L. We went to Sam Goody and we purchased uh, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous in the big picture. And Big L was something incredible. I think of... Um, especially as a DJ, I'm successful because I've been exposed to so much good music. Um, and you know when you hear something special or you hear something that's worth playing again, has some playback value, um, you have the ear. That's something I developed throughout the years. Uh, Ice Cube. I remember my dad, uh, my dad's friend Gary gave me the Predator album when I was a kid. Uh, Today Was a Good Day, Until We Rich with Crazy Bone. Those those songs are embedded in me. I remember those songs like the, it was yesterday. Um, my cousin Richard, he really put me on uh, systems. You know, the subwoofers, the Project Pat, that dirty self sound. It was really bass heavy, bass driven. Um, Project Pat. We were listening to Project Pat when we were 12, 13 years old. Uh, laying the Smackdown. Uh, that was a great album. I remember getting... Um, exposed to that type of stuff. My boy Bubba, um, I don't even know if he knows this, my boy Bubba put me on hyphy music for the first time. I didn't know about E-40 or um, the Bay or that Bay sound um, until later on in life. I caught on late. Um, I knew one person I always loved, and it wasn't a love-hate, because I know a Pac, I always had a love-hate relationship. He dropped, there was some stuff, you know, Pac's life, I hated Pac's life. I didn't really like it till the end of time. I remember these albums where I wasn't really feeling, but Biggie 
who's still my favorite rapper of all time, Biggie made me feel a certain way when I listened to his music. And I still can't really describe how he made me feel. And he still makes me feel like, I, he makes me feel like I could rap. That's how made, he made it seem like it's like breathing. The stories he would tell. Um, and he wasn't even the production. Sometimes he, you kind of forgot about the production, the beats. You just listen to his flow, his voice. Um, he lived what the fuck he was talking about. Um, Ready to Die and Life After Death. Um, same artist, but two completely different artists at the time. They dropped their albums. Um, we were just, I was just talking about this the other day. Ready to Die was that raw, um, that raw New York grimy sound. And Biggie was just putting his swag on it, putting his, 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 um, touch on it. He was really representing, um, the story that he was telling of the struggle and what he was going through at the time he was trying to blow up. And that, that's crazy. I mean, just the storytelling that he was doing, it was so raw. I like that. And you could tell, I don't know how, it's really hard to explain to a casual listening or a casual hip hop listener. You just know when a sound is raw, you just the way it's mixed, the way it's recorded, it's a raw sound. Um, that's what I thought like Ready to Die was. Ready to Die was a raw sound. But with Life After Death, it was more polished, I guess you could say. It was more, um, it was cleaner. But the message was still the same. Um, but just on a different level. Life After Death is my one of my favorite albums. I think Ready to Die is probably my favorite album, but Life After Death is special for a whole different reason. It's because that's Biggie's last message to the world. I, I felt like that was Biggie's goodbye to the world in a sense. Just with the tracks, you know, you know where just somebody kills you, um, sky's the limit, more money, more problems, hypnotized, going back to Cali, things of that nature. It was more, the production was just more polished it was more sample um driven but it was it was different i guess it was when and some of these tracks are a west coast sound but it was more it was less grimy more poppy but big just laced it um with his flow and it was incredible and i don't think we'll ever see that again i don't think that's what rappers don't have nowadays um so that's my you know, hip-hop is, uh, from the way I dress, the way I talk, the way I feel, the way I, um, live my life, it's, it's driven through hip-hop, um, smoking weed <laughs> was through hip-hop, um, you know, hanging out with the, hanging out with the troublemakers, that's what we did, because, you know, we were tough, because we, we listened to, we were influenced by that, and, uh, hip-hop, again, man, I wouldn't, and I'm looking at my equipment now. You know, we got the sub, we got the we got the we got the speakers, we got the mixer, we got the turntables. To me, this is all hip hop. And we're and me, I'm utilizing hip hop now to um to DJ and make these events memorable and give people the vision that they have through music. It's not just hip hop music, it's all music. So hip hop is definitely um it's grown. It's grown to something that people, I don't, I think they probably thought it was a fad. Um, shout out to the OGs too, man. LL Cool J, KRS-One, Rock Can, uh, Marley Maul. Uh, you could put Dre in there, Snoop, Cube, DJ Quick is my, one of my favorite artists of all time. 
I can't. We could hold. We could have a whole podcast on DJ Quick. DJ Quick, and you know, you just know the voice. Um, it's it's a distinctive voice. Um, so it's like just the just the forefathers, man. Um, uh, there's somebody I can Ice T, um, Run DMC, Beastie Boys, Slick Rick, Biz Markey, um. Grand Pooba, uh, Camp Below. There's so many, man. There's so many people. I can't. I hope I don't forget anybody. That, that, at least that's uh, that left a that left a mark on at least my life, um, hip hop wise. Uh, atmosphere, Blood Ali. Uh, my brother loves Tech Nine. I got exposed to Tech Nine, you know, early in life. That was hard. Brother Lynch is hard. Um, exhibit. I remember, oh man, when I was like 10, 11 years old, Restless came out, and that was one of the hardest albums. Call it what you wanna call it, I'm a fucking uncle. That shit right there was my joint. Like, I'll never forget those records. I'll never forget, um, man, there's so many, uh, Kanye West, College Dropout, something my guy Donuts put me on. Um, I was like, man, what the f- I remember I kind of low-key dissed Kanye, like, I don't want to see no bear. We don't want to talk about school and shit, that shit ain't cool. Donut said, just listen, you're never going to say that again. And it's been on and cracking ever since. Well, yay, common. Um, every region, I try to keep up with everything. I really take a lot of pride in that. Just knowing rappers that a lot of people don't listen to. Tito Lopez of Sahai. um... Man, uh, I could just go on and on, man. Uh, I remember Scarface had this group called The Product, and they were some of these guys were from Oakland. The Product was my shit. Richie Rich is my shit. So hip hop, man, really love everything that hip hop represents. Um, and you know what? DMX can't forget about DMX, y'all. I think too. Just saying, we're gonna go on. I don't want. We can't just have this whole podcast talking about hip hop. I remember. Um, you know, they always say, I'm not comparing them to Jesus Christ, it's just the same, it's a metaphor. Um, Jesus died, you know, the story is, Jesus died for us, for our sins, for we could have a gateway to heaven. Um, I felt like Biggie and Tupac were sacrifices for the rap game to open that to open that gateway to the mainstream. Uh, make hip-hop bigger than it ever was. And that's what their deaths did. I think their deaths opened up doors to... Um, so many people in the world, and it opened the door to so many artists in the world. Um, and now you get, you know, and man, I can't forget about GZ, TI, Scarface. Can't forget about these guys, of course. Luda, um, go to fucking Philly with McMill and Benny. Uh, again, y'all, real fast, I want to keep going about hip hop, but just open that door to everybody. Uh, Outcast, we can't forget Outcast. And just open that door to um, the game. And it made, and you know, it made, it made a way for people to get out the gutter and make money. And now, you know, the game's a little saturated now. Um, the game is, it, the game is now. It's easy to get in. It's facilitated. It made it real easy um, to get in the game. And that's with you know the internet, with uh, these laptops, with the technology. It really facilitated people to get in the game. And now anybody could be a rapper. But do you really represent hip hop? I think there's a distinction. Do you do this for the money or do you do it for hip-hop? 
and I know there's a line that says, if you ain't in this fucking rap game for the motherfucking cash man, then what the fuck's your purpose? I mean, Eddie Amin did that just to exhibit back when I think it was Hail Mary or, um, damn, what the hell song was that? Bomb First off the Machiavelli album. You know, you're in it for the money, you're in it for the rap game. So, hip-hop, man, came a long way. And I can give you guys a history lesson, but just love hip-hop so much, man. Happy birthday to hip-hop. Um, if we stick to we stick to a couple of things here, man. You know, back in the day, and I'm sorry if there's some ladies that are listening to this, but, you know, Devin the Dude came out with a dope verse on Fuck You. It was dirty. Slob my knob. Uh, give me head, ho. Uh, me so horny with two live crew. Kia, my neck, my back. Too short, uh, blowjob buddy. Um, my dick, my sack. Um, let's get high by Dr. Dre. Ain't no fun. Uh, a couple of verses on Even Nate Dogg's verse on there is kind of, you know, it's, it, it's fucked up. It, it's the truth, though. We dirty. You know, it, it, it's explicit. There's been so many songs that have been really explicit. Um, and WAP came out. WAP with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. And, you know, people are pissed off about it now. People are not happy about the content and the messages giving. Uh, WAP means wet-ass pussy. Uh, and you know what? Do I want my kids to listen to it? No. But... I think it's a double standard in the game right now, and that's not—it's not right. Um, Biggie had, um, you know, in the beginning of uh, a nasty boy, you know, talking about him shitting on a bitch. Um, Snoop Dogg had so many songs ex- talking about you know fucking these hoes. That's all they talked about with money, cars, money, cash, hoes, money, cars, hoes. That era. There's so many songs that were way dirtier than WAP. Um, and it's just crazy to see the controversy. I think it's really, um, it's a double standard. And it's really hypocritical. People who are accepting of these past songs get low, you know. Uh, to sweat, get jet from my balls. Like, we could accept that, but we're not going to accept the WAP. And I'm not, I'm not going to say WAP is a good song as in, as in material, as in, uh, and I'm talking about his as a playback value as a hit. It sounds like everything else that's out, but it is an anthem for the ladies. Um, even the stuff right now with City Girls, you know, it's explicit. Uh, Two Shorts came out with so many songs. Um, they're explicit. They're talking about sex. They're talking about, you know, fucking as many women as fucking as many women as you can. The more women you fuck, the more pimp, the more of a pimp you are. Um, the world is filled with pimps and hoes, with pocking, uh, with big and um, too short. All about you with Tupac. Um, these are sexual explicit songs. Um, there's a lot of you know, a lot of these rappers have that. A lot of these rappers do. Um, you know, they're 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 um, they do have this persona of their pimps and that they may you know they're they are having sex with a lot of women and they are not shy about making that known in their songs um a 
a lot of these women, I think, feel like they have to talk about that just to get some get some playback. Uh, right now, the streaming industry is the way. If that's the way of the game, they want plays, they want replay value. So how do we do that? We're gonna say the most shocking shit we can, or we get the most. Ca we're gonna get that catchy beat before we can have replay value. Uh, I think it's really hypocritical of the game. You can't accept. Um, what we had in the past with these dirt, with this dirty music, which is what, which, which, by the way, is popping in my eyes, because this is what I play on the daily. This is what I'm playing in the club. This is what I'm playing during these gigs. People want to get, they want that ratchet shit. Um, it's just not right that now we're gonna hold Cardi and Megan to a fucking standard because they're women, and you know we're gonna have, you know, women are better than that. Yes, I believe that, but this is hip hop, and this is the, this is everybody has a lane. Hip hop has an avenue. This is the avenue they're going in, and there is an avenue because of all the songs that paved way for that to happen. The Ain't No Funds, um, the Nasty Boys, um, Be So Horny. Oh my God! Um, somebody said, "Hey, we want some pussy." Come on, Two Life Crew was doing this back in the day. We cannot judge you with Megan and what Cardi want to do and Bodak Yellow. That's just getting. I can't play Bodak Yellow at a school at a school dance, even the edit version. So come on, y'all. I think we gotta support the ladies. Let them do the thing. They're gonna be nasty with it. Let them be nasty with it. You have a choice to let your kid listen to that or not. I think we definitely need to stop being hypocritical. Understand that they're gonna go in this lane, and we gotta be accepting of that. If you don't like it, fine. There's a lot of songs we don't fucking like that we're never going to play again. But they got, I think they're fucking double platinum right now. How many streams? You know what? Let's, like, this is why we have the internet. Let me see how many streams. Streams for WAP. Streams for WAP. Yo. I want to tell you guys right now. 93 million streams. And that was in the first week. It did its job. I know I played it three or four times. My girlfriend said, you got to listen to a song. She liked it. So definitely got to cut the double standard out, y'all. Let them do what they do. They're artists. And this is how they're going to, you know, they're going to portray their artistry. I'm all for it. Um, We're not going to get too deep. We have this is a political podcast today just because of our guests. But, you know, I want to just give a congratulations to Kamala Harris. She is um. She was nominated as vice president, or as a vice president nomination by Joe Biden, who accepted the Democratic nomination today. Um, this is a big move, just for not just for women, but just for minorities. Um, Kamala Harris is Indian, and her father's Jamaican. She is a woman of color, and I believe she's the first woman of color to be nominated for such a position. Um, we could go on and on about her history. Um, of locking people up for weed, for locking up parents for truancy um, violations. Uh, and there's two sides of the story to that. Um, my father was a probation officer. I can tell you one thing. Did not enjoy doing that. Didn't enjoy, you know, giving fines out to these parents who are working minimum wage already with three, four, five kids. And, you know, to say their oldest isn't going to school. And they're getting fined for that, and they're already struggling to make ends meet. Miss Harris was a part, was one of the um. She was one of the leaders for that type of um. How do I say this? Legislation. She was, you know, during in California at least, she spearheaded that program. She wanted that. 
Um, yes, she is known to, um, you know, violate people for marijuana offenses to the maximum um, sense possible. And you know what? Uh, but I also know she has done some good. She has tried to take these low-income families and put them in positions to um, strive. There's bad and good in every candidate, I believe. There's, and we'll get this to Andre's um, opinion on that later. We can't, um, we gotta be open-minded, especially right now with this campaign. I'm not gonna, I think right now we, it shouldn't be a, a, a character smearing contest. We've been there, done that. The last election, that's all they did was just go back and forth and just smear one another. I think with this, um, I think now's the time for no, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to give their, this is their time to expose their platform and um, provide their platform what they plan on doing in the event they do win the election on um, in 2020. It's not that far away, y'all. Election time is, is here. Uh, election day is going to be around the corner. It's time to show the world what they're going to provide for us and what they, at least what they're aiming for. What What's on your agenda? What are you going to do for the people? Um, we don't want to hear Donald Trump's a racist, Donald Trump's a bigot. We know this already. His character has been assassinated for the last four years. Let's go above that now and provide your provide us with what your platform is going to be. What are you going to run on? What are your priorities? If in the event you do win, um, that's what I would suggest. That's what I want to hear. Um, on, and I'm not the biggest Biden fan, not the biggest Harris fan, but I will tell you when... Trump's brother died, and they reached out to Trump via Twitter, of course. Um, what else is new? Everybody does. I know it's a Twitter-dominated world, but they reached out. They gave their condolences. That showed leadership in my eyes. Maybe there was a hidden agenda in that, but I really do appreciate that type of stuff. That shows they're willing to fucking say, fuck this red-blue stuff. I know how it feels. I have empathy um, for losing a loved one. Don't know if President Trump responded back. If he hasn't, shame on him. That should be another way of showing unity. Respond, thank you. That's all you gotta say, yo. Respect. People need that. People gotta see that no matter what the circumstances are, we can still show, um, you know, we can still give our condolences. Shit. Um, and, uh, you know what? Uh, let me go here real fast. I want to give out, speaking of condolences, I want to give my condolences out to um, the Neto family. Uh, we lost Steve Neto a couple days ago. Um, that's my Nino's father. And I just want to talk about Nino and Gary. I love you guys. And um, I'm really sorry about your loss. I know you guys loved your pops. And um, I'll never forget him. Never forgive him on that couch. Um, you know, postal service workers are a big are topic of conversation. He retired from the postal service, and um, Steve, Big Steve, rest in peace, Steve Neto. And uh, man, let me tell you guys right now, rest in peace to some of our picks for the playoffs. A lot of people did not expect. The Magic to beat the Bucks. Let's talk NBA playoffs right now. What's man? Lakers lost today. Um, let me just. We're not gonna dissect a lot, but let me just go with predictions. Just today, man. I don't know how we expect someone like Kuzma who has no playoff experience. Um, 
Morris, Howard, and uh, Waiters to provide quality minutes in this atmosphere, in this playoff atmosphere. They've never done it before. And Dame Doll is on a mission right now. That Portland squad is going to be tough. Um, just real fast, we'll do some NBA player predictions. Really enjoys the Magic were on today. They exposed weaknesses with the Bucks. Um, they kept uh, the Greek freak out of the paint. Where and they kept they 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 prevented him from going downhill. When a guy's going downhill, I can't means you know he's going from court to court. Um, each end of the court. When he's going downhill, it's hard to stop somebody like that. This kid's a freak athlete. Six eleven, seven nine, seven ten wingspan. Covers a lot of ground. Shooting from the outside, shooting from the inside. Um, MVP of the league. Hard to stop that. Um, I did pick the Bucks. I think, do think the Bucks are going to get out of that. Um, out of that round. We have the Heat and the Pacers. I am going to Miami Heat. Um, Toronto. I'm sorry. Uh, Philly and Boston. And this is before Haywood got uh, hurt. But I am going to go with Boston. The Raptors and the Nets. I'm going to go with the Raptors. Um, out of the Bucks and Miami Heat. I'm going to go with the Bucks. And I'm thinking they're going to meet between the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. I think they're going to meet Toronto. And between the Bucks and Toronto, I'm going to go with the Bucks to be in the finals. Um, the Western Conference. Uh, of course, I Portland won today. I actually put a fight all a bit on the on Portland to win the series. You know, it's business. But that's just... That just Insurance for me, but I do pick the Lake. I do want the Lakers to win. I have the Lakers winning at all, actually. Lakers and Portland Trailblazers. I have the Lakers winning. Um, the Rockets and OKC. Uh, I like what OKC is doing. Um, uh, today they didn't score that as much as they need. I believe they were held under 100 points today. CP didn't, I think he scored only 20 points. He's gonna have to score a little more and pass that ball and get some assists going to for OKC to win. He is that leader, he is that engine that keeps that going. So I'm gonna go with um, Houston, um, with the Oklahoma City Thunder to win that. Uh, we have the Nuggets and the Jazz. Great series so far. Um, the Jazz Mitchell had 57 points. It wasn't enough. Murray and the Joker held them down in the first game. First game of many. We have three more to go. Potentially six. But I want to go with the Nuggets. And the Clippers and the Mavericks. Man, this is one of those neck-and-neck neck, uh, matchups that I really like. It's going to be good basketball, but I think the Clippers come on top of that. Between the Clippers and the Nuggets, I'm going to go with the Clips. Between the Thunder and Lakers, I gotta go more Lakers. And with the Western Conference Finals, it's gonna be the Lakers and Clippers. And I have the Lakers beating the Clippers. And just my final prediction, it's gonna be Lakers versus Bucks in the in the NBA Finals with the Lakers in six. That's my prediction. You guys heard it here first. And um, we got a special guest today, y'all. Local politics, something that we're not aware of. We're not aware of how much. Um, they can help our communities, appearance-wise, um, businesses, um, things, things like sidewalks, things like, you know, even the fucking light poles that are not lit up at night, bike lanes, um, infrastructure of our communities. Um, you know, we have, we're going to have a homeless shelter built down the street. Just things of that nature, um, they come from our local politicians. And we have... You know, you live on the east side, most likely you're in Ward 2. We have a Ward 2 elected official 
Councilman Andre Gonzalez. He's going to join us today on the STS Podcast. This is going to be episode 52, y'all. Um, big guest this week, man. He didn't have to do this, and you know what? He did. Reached out. I reached out to him. Met Andre a few times during these community um, these community outreach um, events. You know, giving back to the community, community appreciation days. I've DJed a few events that he's made an appearance at, and I will tell you, I will vouch for the man. The man shows his face. Not a lot of politicians do that. He's a man of the people. The people respect him. The people know that he's one of them, and um, it's really important that you know that politicians are among us. They're elected by us. They're for us. They're by us. So definitely love this podcast. I think I thought it went really smooth. If you guys have any questions, make sure you guys reach out to Andre at AndreGonzalez.com. Again, this this podcast is brought to you by our sponsor. FGR Catering, my guy Freddie Rec. I appreciate the sponsor, my guy. If you guys need any catering, make sure you guys go to my guy Freddie. Does open fire cooking, beef briskets, pulled pork, um, pit barrel ribs. Does it all. He's been featured on the Cooking Channel. The man is the best. One of the best I've ever had. I'm, you know, I'm not no food expert, but the man. Does amazing work with with the grill. Check out my guy Freddie Rec FGR Catering FGR Catering at gmail.com. If you need any catering needs done, my guy Freddie will definitely hook you up. And I hope you guys enjoy this podcast interview with Councilman of Ward Two, Andre Gonzalez, who's up for re-election, y'all. We're gonna discuss that. Make sure y'all tune in. I appreciate you guys. My name is Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius. And here's my interview with Councilman Andre Gonzalez. What's up, Andre? Can you hear me, bro? Yes, I can. How are you? Good, man. How you doing, Andre? I'm good. Very man, good. honored to have you again. I would just explain to the audience. Um, it's a you know this is episode fifty-two, and to have a local politician such as yourself is a really um, it's an honor to have you, man. Oh, thank you, man. It's- and I, um, just to introduce, you are Bakersfield City Council Member um, Andre Gonzalez, Ward Two. Is that correct? That's correct. So the city of Bakersfield has seven wards. So if you think about a map of Bakersfield, Definitely. we slice it up into seven di- different districts, and I represent the second ward. And you're up for re-election in November. Is that right? Correct. Up in, up in November. So it's up for the voters to decide if. They want me to continue for another four years. Definitely, man. And it looks like, and it looks like as of right now, um, how often does it happen that um, you don't have an opponent? I guess you could say. Um, you know, not not often. It's rare, it's, right? It is kind of rare. You know, people. There are a lot of people who are passionate about the city, passionate about what happens in local government. They want to get involved, and so a lot of people often run. And actually, it's been over twenty years since. Definitely. Uh, War two has had an uncontested race, meaning somebody has run without an opponent. Definitely, I know. I've been. I uh, kept as, as soon as I was able to vote, man. I've never seen that with um War two. So that's why I was. Like, I knew this was rare. But um, if everything works out, man, congratulations. And I know you got my vote. Um, we're looking forward for another four years, man. Uh, Thank you, man. Let's just. 
I, that's what I wanted to get into too. I know you do a lot of footwork, man. I heard you're you're a man of the people, yeah. and that's something that um. Once I announced you're coming onto the podcast, bro, a lot of people said they, they've interacted with you. You're not hard to find. And I've seen you a couple of times right here on um, – it's on, Cap- on Mount Vernon by the, the Nelson Park. And you're there, you know, especially when you got the construction started. You were out there in the trenches, man. Before that even, even looks the way it looks nice now. But before it wasn't looking that great. And we made that happen, man. So I'm really happy for things like that, bro. Well, I appreciate you. That was a real – project of the heart you know um, i started this nonprofit called children first about 10 years ago and we decided that we wanted to build a community asset because we had talked to a lot of the families around williams elementary Definitely. and a lot of them live in you know apartment complexes they live in very dense areas where there is no green space you know there's no yard there's no front yard or sidewalks backyard. and there's nothing for you know no place for children just to run around. And so we wanted to create this space uh, to do two things. One is to have some space for the community. And then two is so that we can do a lot of our programs out of that out of that space. Definitely. And the other thing, too, is that you remember that lot. It used to be a vacant lot. Yes, bro. For decades. For years. For years, yes. Going past there. And I always remember going past that curve. Down on Monterey, on Monterey Street, yeah. And you always saw that lot, and it was just sometimes there would be couches or trash, or you know, it was always, it's always, it's been vacant ever since I've been a kid. So Definitely. for us to buy that property to raise some money to actually do something with it, that was a source of real pride for me because I felt like we we're actually showing the community a symbol that. You know, the east side is something that should be invested in, and it's something that we're going to continue to invest in over time. It's not going to happen overnight, but we're going to continue to push so that we can make the east side a much better place. Definitely. I think that's what people need. I think people don't really understand how much impact um, politicians, local politicians such as yourself, have an impact on our community, especially on the east side when it comes to projects like that, Um, even with the lights, parks, roads. Um, you guys have a, a lot of input in that and how we, and, and, um, able to get things like that fixed and start projects like that. Yeah, we do. And it's important because there's real money at the table, right? And people forget that, that when you're voting for, um, uh, city council members or county supervisors, and we can talk about that in a minute. Definitely. There are decisions being made on how our dollars are being spent, how our local dollars, every time you go to the grocery store or you go to Best Buy or wherever you go to your shopping, you know, you charge a sales tax. Well, part of that sales tax goes directly to the city of Bakersfield. Definitely. And then we decide where those dollars are best spent. So, you know, it's important to understand what local leaders or how they're spending our dollars. But the other thing I was going to say is, you know, in, in the city of Bakersfield, we're kind of, if you take a look at the map of Bakersfield, you'll notice that there are lots of neighborhoods that actually aren't part of the, the city. Definitely. They're actually part of the county. That's very, very different. It's an anomaly that doesn't exist in other communities. We have a lot of what, what are called county pockets. Yes. And it's, it's important because if, if, if you live in a county island, you're not going to get city services. You're not going to get city sanitation. You're not going to get, um, you know, city uh, road repairs. You're going to get county road repairs. 
Yes. You're not going to be able to vote for the mayor. You're not going to be able to vote for a city council member. You're going to be voting for the board of supervisors, and that's it. Yeah. You know, some people prefer to be in the county, but most people who live within the city want to live within a city because the services that are delivered, the basic services, are much better. And I'll give you. I'll give you an example. And I'll give your your uh, your viewers an example. Yes. Go down Nile Street. Go down Niles. Drive down Niles from Union Avenue and go east. Mm -hmm. And tell me where it starts to decline. Right where it hits, it hits the county. Right. Hits the county. Yes. I'm in the county. Okay. You know the Andres Drive. Yes. Been there for decades. Uh, and just so happens that's my name. I, I'm not, no relation. To no me. relation at all. Not associated with them at all. We started that. We started that decades ago. Andre's Drive-In is right there on Niles and Virginia, okay? That's where the city begins and ends. Yes. Just east of that is, is all county. And you can see, you know, some of the properties have declined. The roads are a little bit worse. There, there are fewer sidewalks. Definitely. So, you know, I'm trying to do as much as I can for the city, you know, just, just west of that area. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that need to be done in the county as well. So, so... I say that because there's a couple of things there. One is we need the city of Bakersfield needs a longer term plan of how to include all these neighborhoods into the city of Bakersfield. Definitely. That's called annexation. That's the word for it. Definitely. We need to annex all of these neighborhoods. And again, some people may be opposed. They, they think that they're going to pay higher fees or higher taxes. That's not true. In fact, uh, they're going to get far better services and it's much more efficient for the city to, for the city to do it than it is for the county to do it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's something that we need to work on long term. That's like, If I had to pick one issue that, that the city really needs to tackle long term, Definitely. it would be that issue. Because yes. that, also that also increases the population of the city. So, you know, we're the ninth largest city in the state right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we're actually far larger because in metro area we have so many people who mm -hmm. are included. It's almost 500,000 people, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So that's, that's another thing I didn't know either. I knew I knew we were in county and city, but I didn't know the city had a little bit more better services to offer than the county did. Yeah, and if you think about it, the city is a city, right? Yeah, it's going to be. designed to, to, to deliver city services. Mm -hmm. Whereas the county has so many things to do throughout a huge geographical landscape, right? Yes, they have a huge area. So, you know, the, the city is far better positioned to deliver city services. Definitely. And Andre, real fast, before we get we dive into that, I want to just kind of get your start in politics. Um, what inspired you to become a public servant? This public service, man, it's not for, it's not everybody could do it. No, you know, my dad, my dad was a community college counselor at Bakersfield College for 37 years. Definitely. So growing up, I got to see firsthand what it meant to help people. Mm -hmm. uh, because he was a director of this program called CARE, uh, mm -hmm. where he would help uh, single mothers who were trying to succeed, who were trying to get a leg up in life and, and go to school and, and get an education. And so they needed additional resources, whether it be books or financial aid or just even just a little bit of direction and encouragement. And so my dad was right there along with his team. 
But one of the things that he would do often was, um, you know, he would he would go out and, and host different events, whether it be Christmas events for the families uh, of these students or barbecues, and he would always make sure to bring me along. Definitely. Always, ever since I was just a little little boy. Yes. So I saw firsthand what it meant to help other people. He taught me two things. One, that I was very blessed and fortunate. To, to live a certain middle class life. Yes. And and the two, it caused me to question why. Why was I so blessed? Mm-hmm. Why did I, why was I why did God have me live such a such a comfortable life? Mm-hmm. You know, we were rich, but I wasn't lacking. When I saw firsthand so many people who were struggling, Definitely. and it 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 in me very young. This. Um, value of service, that whatever we were bestowed upon, I have strong faith, but whatever we were given in life and, and God has blessed us with, we were supposed to use that and we're supposed to use our hands and our feet to serve other people, to serve our brothers and sisters. Definitely. And, and help lift other people's up, help lift others up. And so that's something that that I've never really um, have lost. And it's the only thing really that brings me fulfillment in my heart you know i've never been eager to or ambitious to raise to to uh, make a bunch of money or to be rich or to live in a big you know house. a luxury lifestyle i've never really wanted that and, and, and in college i really really confirmed what i wanted and, and those materialistic things were never never something that i was striving for what i was striving for was how can i be in a position that will better improve the lives of people, as many people as possible. Definitely. And so I figured there's two ways. One is by direct service, by through nonprofits, and that's what I do full time. I'm the executive director of a nonprofit mm-hmm. it's called Stewards. I started several nonprofits that do direct outreach work. Mm-hmm. But then the other piece is, you know, changing or affecting change at a policy level. Definitely. Right? Changing uh, policies and budgets at a community level that help improve the conditional lives for all people, especially those who are underserved. Definitely. And just like my dad would serve those who were the underdog, right, who were looking for a fighting chance, I recognize that now I have an opportunity to to fight for people who are really trying to make it, right? These families who are struggling, who are living in the, on the east side, yes. who are struggling financially trying to improve their lives, but are also burdened with some of the most you know, horrific issues facing our community, whether that be being, you know, violence, drugs, uh, you know, drugs, uh, you know, other criminal activity, whether it be the decline and decay of the public infrastructure, roads and alleys. Yes. One of the issues, for example, that I was fighting for my first year on the city council was that the city should invest more dollars in repaving alleys throughout the east. And, and I got a lot of pushback from city staff because they said, look, we don't repay valleys. They said our priority is to, to focus on arterials and all these big roads because more more people actually utilize them. Yes. Valleys are, are very low on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. But I had a fight and said, look, these alleys are actually the entranceways for, for many people to get to their front door. Many people have a half address, right? I used to have a half, half address. Half address, yeah, or house my B. Front door, my front door entrance to Nally. 
Yes. Right, based it out. And so for many of our families, uh, who are our working families, uh, you know, they, they deserve high-quality city services as well. They, they deserve alleys and streets that don't have potholes on them, right, that, are, that don't flood when it rains. Yes. And so those are, and, and in 2020, in the year 2020, in the city of Bakersfield, the ninth largest city, we should be able to do that for all people. Yes, right? definitely, bro. Those basic infrastructure, that ba- those basic standards, we should have high-quality roads for every single person, high-quality neighborhoods. Every single neighborhood should have a safe way for children to walk, meaning sidewalks. Sidewalks, yes. We should yes. Every single neighborhood should do that, not just not just the west side. Yes. And I don't think it a west side, east side thing. No, definitely not. By, but by this time, we should all get with the program, right? Definitely. And so that's what we're working towards now. We, we know... You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It doesn't happen. These things don't happen overnight. But we can do it over time. Definitely. And, you know, like I said, when I first announced you were going to be on the podcast, Andre, people said, you know, you're the people, um, you're a man amongst the people. How important is it to interact with people in your ward, citizens in your ward? How important is that? Uh, it's, I mean, look, I was elected by the people. The, the only reason I'm in my today is because of the people. It's because the people elected me, chose me to be in the seat. And I haven't forgotten that. I remember that every single day when when I get phone calls, you know, early in the morning or late at night, you know, and and there's a constituent who has a call, a complaint, or has a concern, you know, no matter how tired I get, I, I continue to remind myself that that person is experiencing an emergency or that person has an issue that's very important to them mm-hmm. that they're contacting me about. So I have to give them as much energy and my focus as possible. Definitely. And likewise, I know that, you know, there are people out there who may never want to call me, right? They, yeah. they may never, they may never feel comfortable. So you know what? But I know they also might have some ideas and concerns. So I'm trying to get out to them as much as I can. I'm trying to be out there in the community, be visible so people know who their councilman is. People know that, that there are people within the city government who actually care, who do care about them, who do want to make the community a better place, who have not forgotten the east side, Definitely. who have not forgotten some of our neglected neighborhoods. Definitely. Have we solved all the problems yet? No, we haven't. Definitely. Is it going to take us a long time to do so? Yeah, it probably is.
Definitely. You don't have to be in an elected position to make an impact. Definitely. And in fact, the way that we're going to improve the east side or other parts of town or the whole community as a city is if everyone decides to be part of something. Definitely have to participate. Definitely. I believe in that 100%. What kind of projects are we are you working on now, Andre? Well, there's a, there's a number of things that, that uh, I have on my on my list. Um, more, most immediately, um, you know, the homelessness crisis is a big issue. Very big issue, bro. Um, I've been pushing for more resources for the last couple of years on the city council. Um, so one of the things that we've done is we able to we've been able to um, budget over a month and a half million dollars to respond to homelessness in this community. Uh, the first thing that we're doing is building a. Uh, a navigation center. This is a low barrier navigation center. What that means is that most homeless shelters have a um, have a barrier to entry, right? If you have a dog, you can't go in. If you have a partner, you can't go in. Yes. If you have a bunch of stuff with you, you can't go in. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to say is, look, let's reduce those barriers to entry. The reason why there's so many people in the streets is because they have partners. They can't bring because their they can't have bring that are their worldly possessions, and they don't want to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Or they may have a dog. I have a dog. Yes. Definitely. I've asked for the last six years. Yes. You know that if I was homeless myself, I would rather be homeless and live with my dog Ethel than go into a shelter and have to let her go. Definitely. I wouldn't part with that dog. Definitely. So I get it. I understand why people who are experiencing homelessness, you know, being homeless is not an easy, it's not an easy that life. It's a very tough life. Yeah, definitely. It's a life of work. And so what we have to do is we have to reduce those barriers of entry for people so that they can get into a shelter. So that's number one. But then the second thing is that they can get into a shelter with all of these services, whether it be medical services or social workers or GED classes, whatever it is, so that we can wrap around individuals and get them the help that they need Definitely. so that we can get them into permanent housing. And then what we're going to do is we're spending, I don't know, $7 million on building more affordable housing for people. Definitely. So people have a permanent home because the shelter itself isn't a permanent place for Definitely. people. Definitely. We have to move them into a permanent home so that they can be uh, stable. Definitely. And, and, you know, it, this requires partnerships with case managers with other nonprofits so that we can continue to, to support them once they're in permanent housing but we can't we can't just uh, assume that one homeless shelter is going to do it Definitely. that's just the beginning of the work so we were very successful at the beginning of this year it was a big fight i don't know if you remember i was there bro yes i was there definitely the <laughs> yes i was there members on the council was a four to three vote but we got it done we we got the the council sided with me. We bought Calcott, Calcott. on Brundage. Mm -hmm. and it's, a, it's, you know, property that is big enough for us to do lots of different things that help these people succeed. Definitely. I was uneducated, Andre. I feel like I was uneducated when I first heard that you guys were going to buy Calcott. I was like, I don't want a homeless center down the street from my house, you know? But now that I'm a little more educated and I changed my view on that, I want to know how we're going to be able to help these, because um, a lot of them are veterans, you know, the, these homeless people who have mental, um, you know, issues, who have drug addictions. Is there going to be programs for them also? 
Yeah, that's the idea. So as I was saying, once you get them in the shelter, then you have to provide them with services so that they can get help, right? So there's really, you know, if you think about it, there, there, there are lots of different ways that people find themselves homeless. It's not just one way, definitely, right? Definitely. Some people are situationally homeless. They either lost their jobs, traumatic happened in their lives, and they're homeless just like them, definitely. right? Yes. And, and they want to get back into housing as quickly as possible. Right. There are other people who are, they may have, maybe be living with some sort of addiction, mental health issue, and they're working, you know, if we engage them, at least the research shows from, you know, all this work, years and years of work throughout the country, if we work with them, then we can actually engage them to go into the shelter and to engage in services. That's what we want to do. Definitely. Okay. And then there's a smaller population of people who are just service resistant, who are never going to want to be in a shelter. They're stuck right? in their ways. Yeah. What's up? I feel like they're kind of stuck in their ways. They don't want that barrier around them. They don't want to abide by rules. Is that right. kind of how we and so, and so we have to work with that population as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that may require some enforcement. You know, That may require some other... You know, other ways, other strategies to really get to them, okay? okay. Um, but we have to work with them as well. Definitely. We can't give it up. But that's a much smaller population. So Definitely. so we're really trying to reduce the number of people that we see on the streets that are experiencing homelessness on the streets, reduce that number, and then we can get to that harder-to-reach um, population Definitely. of people. Definitely. And that's one project... Um, for your, just saying you know, the next four years goes well, What um what's on the agenda for your next term? What objectives do you have for your next term? Uh, well, you know, downtown's in my ward, so I'm a big a proponent of downtown redevelopment, and there's been a lot of work happening in downtown. So pretty soon, uh, you know, we push for more dollars uh, for a landscaping um, plan. So what I want to see is downtown full of trees, right? So that when you're walking down the street, every every street, every block is shaded. Definitely. So we need a, what they call a tree canopy all throughout the downtown area. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to engage in a landscaping study and, and plan, develop that out, so that over the next 10 years or so, we can begin working block by block, building that uh, building that uh, tree canopy. That will make it much more... Uh, much nicer to to walk around uh, downtown Bakersfield during the day, especially in weeks like this. But the other thing um, that we need to do for downtown is we just need to work on redevelopment. So we have about $1.2 million budgeted from last fiscal year, another $1.2 this fiscal year, where we're going to start buying properties. The city will buy properties. Definitely. No, you're good, you're good. All right. So we're going to, we're going to start buying properties, mm-hmm. uh, clearing the land, and then reselling it so that we can we can continue to see this acceleration of, of downtown. And then, and then finally, the other thing about downtown is I want more people living downtown. That's yes. how you really spur future growth. If you look at all these other cities throughout the country, you see that lots of people are living in their downtowns, mm-hmm. right? We need that densification of the downtown. And we know that people actually want to live downtown. So so we need to create incentives, and we need to make it more convenient for developers to come 
downtown and to build housing. So that's what we're working on as well. Definitely, bro. With um, I've seen also your goal for you know this re-election term is to walk every street of your ward. How is yeah. that coming along? It's going well. It's a little hot right now. So <laughs> Definitely. I haven't, just, I haven't done it in a few days, um, but I will soon. Uh, the uh, you know I started in East Bakersfield. I I've done every single street uh, to Union. Uh, and so now I'm in Oleander. Uh, I've done about half Oleander. Um, and then I will continue out west. So my board goes from the east side to Oleander, Westchester, the 34th Street, Homemaker Place area. And then it goes out west through uh, West Park, Park Stockdale, and Quillwood. So Coffee and, coffee and uh, Stockdale is the western boundary uh, of the ward. So it's a pretty large and diverse ward. That's going to take some time, but we're, uh, that's something I thought that was really cool that you're doing, man. Honestly, that's that's real cool. Well, people, I think, you know, people need to see their city councilman. Right? Definitely, bro. The person that they elected represent that. And right now, I, I'm fortunate enough to be running unopposed, meaning no one's going to challenge, no challenge you uh, for November. Uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, I get a free pass. Definitely. I need to be out there. I need to be hearing from uh, my voters, from the constituents that I serve. I need to be hearing their concerns. I need to hear, frankly, their criticisms, right? What what things that they think that we should be doing better? What things that we haven't done so well? And, you know, I, I'm a big enough man to hear it. Yes. And I want to hear it, and uh, I want to get better. How would people reach out to you, Andre? Just say if they have a complaint, they have an idea, they have a suggestion, like you said, things, they have an idea, maybe this could work better. How would they reach out to you? There's several ways. Um, I think the most effective way is to submit, submit an email. Um, because, you know, it's, it's really helpful when people just clarify all of their thoughts and ideas in one, in one message. Um, so email is definitely the best way. A lot of people text message me. I give out my phone number all the time. Definitely. Uh, it's on the city website, my personal cell phone number. So people are, I think people are um, shocked when I pick up the phone <laughs> because they think that they're going to call an office nah, bro. and talk to my secretary. The, the reality is the city council doesn't have an office. We don't have a staff. Um, it's a volunteer position. We don't get paid. Yeah. Um, we, we do this because we care about the city. Definitely. And so when people call, they call my they call my cell phone. Definitely. And, uh, and I answer. At least I try to answer. I mean, sometimes I'm talking to another constituent. Yeah, definitely, uh, bro, definitely. But, uh, but I'm always trying to respond and trying to be better uh, for the constituents that I serve. Um, just two more questions, Andre. Uh, this is the one that I, um, a lot of people were wondering about. Um, community re community relations between um, you know us and law enforcement. How can we work to improve that relationship, especially with the climate that's going on right now? Yeah, there, I think there's a couple of ways that we can improve community relations. Um, so after the um, the unjust murder of George Floyd and the protest that ensued. Um, there are many act, uh, local activists that called upon the council, called upon me to do uh, to take action, frankly. And so I made um, several referrals 
on the dais of the city council to to respond to these issues. And one of those referrals was to establish a uh, stakeholder committee, a task force, that was six months long that reviewed every single uh, reform effort that has already been taking place over the last few years. You got to remember the city, the city of Bakersfield has been under investigation by the attorney general's office for several years now uh, for um, for you know um, policies and practices within the department. Mm-hmm. So so it's not as if we're without scrutiny. Yes, okay, sir. you know five years ago there was a study that came out that said you know Kern County, BPD, and other law enforcement agencies was the deadliest. And so people remind us of that. But, but I think what, what community members um, maybe don't know is that throughout the last four years, certainly since I've been on the city council, Chief Martin became, uh, became the, the chief, uh, there's been a, there have been a number of reform efforts that have taken place uh, within the department uh, that includes everything from implicit bias training to, um, to trainings and policy, policy changes Work in terms of terms uh, of practices within the department. So, so it's important for us to have a conversation. I think as a community to talk about what really has occurred. What have we done? For example, during the protest, you know, you know, I, I had an opportunity to speak, and I mentioned to the to many of the protesters that the city actually for the first time this this year. Uh, will have a body camera for each and every single police officer on the force. Every yes. officer is now equipped with a body-worn camera. That wasn't true in the past. Yes. And there's there are procedures that require them to have that camera on during incidents. Yes. And we will review, not I will review, but we have people who will review those. And those, those uh, th- that footage will be released to the public, as already has been done in, in officer-involved shooting, so the public will see what incident has occurred. And so I think that's important for transparency, right? We have to be transparent. We have to have a department that isn't working in the shadows. At least there's not a perception that they're working in the shadows. There has to be all the information given to the public. And the public needs to be able to see it with their with their own two eyes. So, so that's why I'm really proud of the, the body cameras. But I also think that there needs to be a longer discussion about what other policy changes do we need to make in the department. Yes. And let's have that conversation. And, you know, with the department and, and the chief and others, you know, they may agree with the community on a lot of things, but there may be just some disagreements. Yes, of course. We need to know where, where those disagreements are and why we need to understand that we need to have these larger conversations and everyone needs to be part of them and so that, that that work though is slow right yes in order to have a good meaningful conversation with anyone no matter what issue it is you need to have some sort of relationship right? yes in order to have a relationship you need what you need trust, trust. and i was i was about to trust. state that i think the trust is at an all-time low right now so you need to build that trust you need to rebuild that trust over time definitely
with an open mind, continue to try to to build that relationship with the spirit of, of fostering trust for the longer term. We're, we're not going to make our community safer by by you know throwing down the gauntlet by by hammering everyone uh, by more enforcement. That does not make our community safer. No. What makes our community safer is by is through engagement, is through looking at some of the systemic issues that are facing our neighborhoods whether it be economic conditions, whether it be the physical condition of our infrastructure, we need to look at those underpinnings of our neighborhoods and, and address those issues uh, if we want if we want uh, more vibrant, safer neighborhoods over the long term. Definitely. And that's what we're trying to that's what we're trying to uh, address as well. Definitely. So as much as we focus on the police department, the police department and I've said this on at the council dies time and time again cannot cannot be the only ones that we include in these conversations. We cannot place on the backs of our police department, the men and women in our police department, all of society's problems, right? Definitely. And expect them to solve them. That yes. that is that is a recipe for failure. What we if in order to create safer and healthier neighborhoods, communities that are thriving with, with children who are given opportunities to succeed, we have to look at every component, whether that be economic and education and schools, the quality of our schools, our neighborhoods, the quality of those neighborhoods, and the investment we're making in that infrastructure. All those things are required in order for us to have safe and vibrant neighborhoods. Definitely. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to push for and advocate for on the council. Definitely. And one last question. Um, Again, we appreciate having you on the podcast, Andre. It's a man. It's been awesome to have you. I wish we had more time, but um, just a quick question. 2020 is coming up, man. A lot of new voters and a lot of voters who haven't voted in a long time. What would be your message to them to come out and vote? And um, I guess to, not an incentive, but your message to the new voter or the voter who hasn't been around and who hasn't voted in some time. Definitely. I mean, the greatest, uh, you know, 
there, there's so many examples actually, but the greatest example right now is what's happening with COVID-19. The fact that this virus is decimating our community, especially the Latino community, especially uh, working families, you know, the communities of color and, and work and, and the working class. Yes. It's 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 affecting us uh, disproportionately out of anyone else. And so what are those policies? What are those, you know, uh, efforts being made at the state level, the federal level, to make sure that we reduce the number of cases? Definitely. So that my mom doesn't get sick and die. Yes. Right? Definitely. So that your loved ones don't get sick and die. Definitely. You know, and that that is you know, this is a once in a century uh, pandemic. pandemic. Yeah, definitely. But but it's a good example of why and how serious it is that we take politics um, seriously. Definitely. Right? Great leadership. I think it starts with great leadership. It starts with leadership. Definitely. And it is leadership, right? Yes. And no, let, let, let me t- I'll be honest, no one's perfect. No, nobody's perfect. I yeah. am not perfect. There, I can give you the names and numbers of you know, several dozen people who can tell you how imperfect I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely, the bro. With me and the reason why I shouldn't be here, right? Yes. That's fine. Because I'm not trying to pretend like I'm a perfect person uh, at all. That's yes. not the point. The point is we're trying to get things done for our community, right? Yes. And I will step up where I see a void. And, and four years ago, I didn't see real leadership representing War Two and representing all neighborhoods of War Two, mm-hmm. And so I stepped up and challenged the incumbent and ran against him to win because I believe that leadership was necessary. Definitely. And I will continue to do that work. I will continue to step up and provide leadership as long as I see that there's a void. Definitely, bro. I'm not, I'm not trying to do this uh, for my own self. I have a job. Yeah. I have a good job. Uh, I don't need more work, you know. <laughs> yeah. There are things in my life that I like to do, but but I do this because it's necessary. Definitely. I do this because of my deep love and commitment for our community, for the city of Bakersfield. Definitely, and that's and I, we applaud you for that, bro. I think um one of the reasons why I really wanted you on is because I know you're a man of the people, and you genuinely you do genuinely care about the residents of the East Side, and that's something I um. I noticed off the bat with you, especially when we first got introduced, we were here at the Nelson Park with Jackie. Um, it's been an honor to um, get to know you, man. I really hope that the next four years we accomplish everything. I hope that people like myself and whoever volunteers is able to help you reach those goals too, bro. Thanks, man. Well, together we can do a lot. Definitely. So I hope everyone can participate. And one last plug, if I can. Yes, of course. Definitely. I'll post that. We'll make sure we post that, for sure. Yeah, we're going to start uh, assembling those boxes around 4 o'clock and then distributing them at 6. So okay. I can use the help. So if anyone's watching, they can help us out. I'd appreciate it. Definitely. And that's where, I'm going to say something. I'm sorry, but this is where the bullshit stops. No, definitely, bro. Definitely. And you can hear politicians talk and whatnot, but at some point, you got to stop. And you gotta say who's actually doing the work. And I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, I want to 
be elected office. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I said, that's great. But tell me, what, what, have you, what are you doing? Exactly, like, man. We need to be in elected office to serve, you know, our neighbors. Definitely, man. I agree with you 100%. We don't need, we don't need a pat on the back to do, do something good for one another. Definitely. You know? I feel like people do see that a lot of these people who claim to be what they are, they're not. They don't walk the walk. They could talk the talk, but they're not walking the walk at all. And I, yeah, the bullshit does have to stop. I like that. Yeah, and I think uh, you know one of your questions on the on the email was about the political dynamics. I think you know politics in a lot of ways can be disheartening because it's become a business. Yes. Right? People are trying to make money off of whether it be campaign ads or whether it be political parties. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they're, they're, it's a business in a lot of different ways. Definitely. And they make their money by dividing us. Yes. Right? Us versus them. Republicans yes. versus Democrats. And yes. we all fall into these little narratives. Like, we're this and that. And these are our values. It's like, okay, but on the city council, in order for me to get anything done, I need to work with Republicans. I need to work with everybody mm-hmm. being on the dais. And mm-hmm. on a council of seven people, it takes four votes to get anything done. Definitely. So, so you need to work with other people realistically, yes. right? I don't know any job where you could where you could pick and choose which coworkers you want to work with and which coworkers you don't, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a job to do, you got to work with everybody. You know, any business owner knows that if they're going to enter an agreement or a contract with someone, they're going to negotiate that contract. You have to compromise they're somewhere. Gonna, they're not going to try to fight it 100% to get their way. <laughs> Definitely. That's the way it works. That's not the way anything in life works. But suddenly, in politics, we pretend like it's, I get 100% and, you know, forget you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know where that comes from, other than, there are people out there who benefit from us all getting hyped up and believing it, yes. right? And then social media just kind of fuels it. Yes. And then a place that used to be fun to see, you know, my you know, family members' recipes, now it's become very vitriolic. Yeah. The climate's and, horrible, man. It's, it's really toxic right now, I believe. It is toxic, but we can't fight into it. Like, every single one of us, we have... We have to step up. We can't be passive, you know, per, per, uh, passive, uh, you know, uh, bystanders here. Mm-hmm. We have to participate. We have to say enough's enough. Definitely. We have to communicate and say, look, yeah, I may agree with these guys over here. I may agree with these folks over here. Uh, and, you know, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, think that it's, one or the other all the time. Definitely. It's okay to, to, to have, I think it's beautiful to have, uh, you know, your core beliefs and your values. I certainly have mine yes. that I'm fighting for. And I respect that wholeheartedly. I think the problem comes in when that's all you want to hear. And, mm-hmm. and it's like everyone else can be damned. Definitely. Our, our community doesn't work like that and our um, the future of our country will not work like that. It's not, bro. If we go down this road. Definitely. I feel like people, it's like my way or the highway, and if you don't see things my way, then screw you. It's, it's I don't want to hear you no more. You don't exist to me. 
I don't think that's a that's that's not the correct way to run any type of government or any type of local state government at all. I think there is we have to come to a compromise and meet in the middle somehow. Even if you see right now, why aren't things getting done because our house isn't being uh, compromised or not compromising? I feel like is that something you would agree with? Sometimes you have to compromise things. You don't get 100% of what you want. Never. I'm a fighter, and I I can be stubborn sometimes, and I want what I want. I hear you. And and when I get into the city council dice, I'm fighting for my community. I'm fighting for War II. I'm trying to get as much done for the city as possible for what I believe is the right thing. So there's some real hard votes sometimes that can... Can you know? Sometimes I win and you know make other people mad, and sometimes I lose. Definitely. And you know others, and then I get mad, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I feel hurt. But and that's perfectly natural. That's that's competition. That's yes, okay. definitely. But I'm not going to disavow someone because they disagreed with me. Yes. I'm not going to, uh, you know, you know, act like a child and collect my marbles and, and pout Definitely. because I didn't get my way one day. Because you know what? The next week there's another fight. Yes. The, the next you know, the next uh, day you gotta there's another issue. Definitely. And you gotta you gotta live to fight another day. There's, there's always something now. There's always something uh, you know coming up. Yes. So the, the same person I was uh, you know competing against in this this forum on this issue, mm-hmm. suddenly the next day, uh, actually need to work with them on the next. Definitely. It's called being an adult. Right? Yes, yes. yes. We've got to be adults here. Definitely. Again, we can disagree on, on the particulars of the issues, and I don't mind people disagree. I think the problem I, I see more and more is that that character assassination, especially at the federal level. Yes, Torbor right? now, man. And, and people are turned off by that. And the yes. broader public, they don't want to see that anymore. They, they, it, it's disgusting and it's beneath us. And there's so many other issues and problems that we really have to address. Yes. It's, it's frustrating to see our leaders at the federal level, even at the state level, waste so much time on such nonsense. Assassinate someone's character. It's horrible. <laughs> I think that, man, I, I believe, this is just me, I believe when you dial, have some dialect with somebody that doesn't have the same view as you, I can learn a lot from that. Especially, like I stated earlier with the homeless um, situation, I have to be educated on that to change my views and be like, okay, we're helping people now. It's not about me and my area, it's about helping people who need help. And I, I got that from having a dialect with somebody who had an opposing view. So I'm grateful I wasn't a hard-headed, stubborn ass. And I just block them out. Say, oh, you're wrong. I'm going to delete you. I want nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? I'm going to block you. I think that's where the world's going to. And that's scary, man. We can't listen to opposing views. I think that's part of... I don't have my own business. I think that's part of the business also. You have to have opposing views. You do. And, you know, you you have to be able to have a rational conversation and talk about things in a way that, you know, is uh, reasoned. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I always, I always know that when somebody starts raising their voice, 
their argument is weak. Yes. Yes. When someone asks because raising your voice does not make your argument any stronger. Definitely not. Starting to yell and shout does not make you more convincing. <laughs> People are resorting to it, it's a it's a psychological thing where you resort to uh, sort of physical force to yeah. try to move someone else rather than the logic of the argument. Definitely. Right? I agree. That 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 is a foolish way of trying to win an argument. Definitely. The way you win an argument is through logic and reasoning and, and, and developing and, and developing a an argument that is well researched and and, and based on uh, actual data, right? Definitely. That's how you move people and compel them to your side. Mm-hmm. If you you have to start name calling or or raising your voice or all these cheap tricks, it's a signal that something's wrong with your argument. Definitely. That you're, that you're actually Pretty weak. Definitely. I wish more people understood that, especially the game that's going on at the federal level. That's exactly what's going on now. Whoever's voice is the loudest doesn't mean they're right. Right. I believe that 100%. Well, man, I'm getting a five-minute warning here with the IG, but Andre, if whenever you come back on, we would love to have you. Um, November, looks like, again, I know you're running on polls, but once you get reelected, man, we would love to have you back on and discuss how the next four years are going to be with your term. And um, we really thank you for representing Ward 2 and being a man of the people, man. We need that. We really appreciate you. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the support. It means a lot. Definitely, man. Uh, AndreGonzalez.com. You guys check it out. You, his All his information is on there. And we're going to post for Thursday, okay, bro? Thank you. No problem, Andre. Have a good day, bro. I appreciate you. Well.